This episode of Punk Rock HR is sponsored by The Star Conspiracy. The Star Conspiracy is the B2B marketing agency for innovative brands creating the future of workplace solutions. For more information, head on over to thestarconspiracy.com. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Rudiman. Welcome back to Punk Rock HR. My guest today is Angela R. Howard. She's an organizational psychologist, a consultant, an author, and the host of the podcast, Humanly Possible, Future of Work Conversations with Angela R. Howard. Angela's on the show today because, well, I'm a fan and kind of a lurker. I've been watching her for a very long time. And when I saw that she was writing a book, I had to get her on to talk about, well, the employee experience and well-being and leadership and human-centric workplaces, but really about making an impact. That's what Angela is all about. So if you're interested in a next-gen leader who is really focused on creating a positive ripple effect and building a huge ecosystem to do it, well, sit back and enjoy this conversation with Angela R. Howard. Hey, Angela, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lori. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Well, I'm super happy to have you here. It's been a long time coming. This is a personal treat for me because I've got a Chicago girl on the show. Love that. Why don't you tell us all who you are and what you're all about? Thanks, Lori. So hello, everyone. My name is Angela Howard. I consider myself a cultural anthropologist, if that makes any sense. <laughs> um, growing up, I actually wanted to be a paleontologist. And I love studying. I love picking things apart. And so I landed in the world of workplace psychology. So I study cultures. I study systems for a living and have really focused in on mindset shift, behavior shift, and how we can build more human-centric workplace cultures. Well, you are definitely in a city and in the heart of a culture that I associate with work. On the one hand, in Chicago, you have really strong working class families and jobs that are just the bread and butter of that community. And on the other hand, you have these esteemed business schools that study the future of work. So where are your roots in all that? If I look at my family, I'm, I'm an only child. My father was your typical blue collar worker, did not even get to high school, uh, worked in a factory. My mom actually was the breadwinner of our family. She worked the corporate job. She bounced around. She made the living for my family. So I'm kind of in between. I'm in between the, the two worlds and appreciate the labor market and the working class, but also folks who are changing and progressing the world of work. Well, I find that fascinating because you're part of a generation that saw the world of work change through your parents, right? I mean, you've got family on both sides of the fence, right? You have a working class father and a mother who was working in corporate America. When you tell them what you do, does it make sense? Do they get it? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I am the one at the, the Thanksgiving dinner table who's like, what do you do again? Are you in HR? Are you in training? My mom and I have gotten really close lately. My father passed away a few years ago. And so her and I talk all the time. And she's so cute because she enjoys learning from me, which I love because a lot of parents are not open. They don't want to change, but she's always asking me questions and learning and doing her research and coming back and talking to me about it. So it's a lot of fun to kind of teach her what I'm doing and having her experience it through me. So you're doing a lot of stuff right now. How do you prioritize what's most important in your work right now? What are you doing? 
That's a great question because it's something I think a lot about. 2022 just appeared. I don't even know how we got here. <laughs> but it's here. And I've been really intentional about focusing my time and energy around really thinking about my work from the perspective of ESG, social responsibility, working with brands and organizations that are actually making waves in this thing called the future of work, this, you know, this fuzzy concept that everybody's talking about. And so my work is really around how do we operationalize culture so that it improves the lives of the people who are experiencing the workplace, but also how that workplace, how that business can consciously think about how they're impacting systems and social systems outside of their four walls. And so that is kind of where I've landed around some of my work lately. Well, I love it all because it's optimistic and it assumes that organizations can have a positive impact on humanity, even though the past couple thousand years have taught us otherwise. So why are you so optimistic about organizations and what they can do for their people and for communities? You know, I go back to my family. My family has such an impact on me, as you can tell. I mention them a lot. And I grew up with a mother who was the breadwinner of our family, and she would come back from work day in and day out, exhausted. She felt like she wasn't recognized. She felt like she wasn't doing something of purpose. And that impacted me. And I actually think it's why I'm doing what I'm doing. But I think we have to think about workplaces as containers that are letting people out into the world, into their communities, into society, and how you treat them in this container impacts how they're impacting their communities, how they're impacting other people. And so there's this ripple effect that I'm really optimistic about, especially right now, because we have a generation that is holding employers and workplaces accountable for just that. And I look at this next generation of leaders and this next generation of employees, freelancers, contractors, and they are demanding change. So I think the time for change is now. Well, I love that. And you use a word that I associate with you all the time, which is impact. This is a word when I think of Angela Howard, I think of impact. So tell me, what does that word mean for you in your work? Yeah, so impact to me is how are you positively influencing the people, the world, humanity around you? So how are your actions? How are your behaviors? How is your connection to social causes and your identity as an organization impacting the people you employ, but also your customers, also your partners, your suppliers, the people you're working with day in, day out to deliver on this broader mission? Truly, you know, I study systems, right? I study organizations, but organizations have kind of a personality of their own. They have a purpose. They have a mission of their own. And so you really want to play matchmaker in a way of bringing people along who feel purposeful in delivering against your mission, but you also have this opportunity to impact so much around you. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners don't quite always know how they can do that. Or they start out with good intentions and good intentions go awry. They take a left turn when there's pressure on profitability or revenue. And I wonder what happens because I don't think any leader, any entrepreneur starts a business to be evil. The other thing I find interesting is nobody's ever honest about it. So no leader is ever like, yeah, man, we suck. <laughs> like it's very rare. So what's happening here? Why are we going the wrong way or why are we lying to ourselves as leaders and founders? I think there's uh, something about traditional work and ways of working that is focused on the wrong things. <laughs> you know, I think that things like, you know, leadership, how we define leadership 
command and control leadership versus empathetic leadership, for example, which I think we're moving more towards leaders having a responsibility on the people, the emotional well-being, the whole human versus in the past, people were seen as resources, right? We both worked in human resources. It's even named or human capital management. We saw people as objects almost as to a means to an end. And so I think that the paradigm of traditional work is changing, but I think traditional work is comfortable for a lot of people. And it's always been the standard. And so, like you said, the intention was never to be evil, but we've already defined a system that works for everybody. Traditional work has worked for people for years and years. We've become profitable. We've created generational wealth with these standards. And so the intention isn't there, but I think sometimes also we're not listening. As business leaders, we're not listening to what can be. You can be profitable and focus on people. You can be conscious in your business decisions. You can unpack what is my identity as a company, as an organization, and what kind of legacy do I want to lead in the world? You can do both. But I think we're stuck in some traditional workplace paradigms. Well, I wonder where you get involved in all this, because I know there are consultants out there who leave human resources, they hang a shingle, and they're like, I'm going to change the freaking world. And I'm like, yeah, good luck to you, you know, because companies don't want to spend money to be told they're doing things wrong. So I just wonder, Angela, when you are uh, hired by an organization or you come in and you do your work, how do you do what you do? I'm sure a lot of HR professionals would love to know. I feel like I have a bit of an edge around the approach that I take. I don't consider myself an HR professional. I've worked in HR, but my educational background is in organizational psychology, business psychology. We work with people. And a lot of what we do and the reasons why we do it and the mindset shifts and the behavior changes that we need to make are centered in psychology. And so I use that to my advantage to, for lack of better words, diagnose what is your culture today. I can get into a lot of detail, but that's really qualitative, quantitative information that's then summarized to say, this is what's happening. And we compare that to what you want to actually accomplish. So you hear all the time now, oh, we need to change the culture or we need a more inclusive culture or a performance space culture or, you know, all the buzzwords, like how do you get there? How do you actually get there? So the goal is if you know where you are, you know where you want to go. Now let's talk about the levers of leadership, behavior change, mindset shift, process, systems, the levers we need to pull to get you to the aspiring end goal that you want. And that's my approach. It's an organizational development meets psychology approach. Well, I love that because it's both a system that you bring to your engagements, but also has your secret sauce, your understanding of other clients, other behaviors, other things that are going on in different organizations and the ways in which we lie to ourselves and to our employees on a daily basis. And I think that's so fascinating because I can't tell you how many organizations I've been a part of that have gone through transformation, software, services, attitudes, people, right? You know, they go through these big, enormous change management processes only to end up back where they started focused on revenue. And of course, because you don't have an organization if you don't have money. Like I totally get it. I like money. We all like money. But I find it so fascinating that human behavior when left unchecked reverts back sometimes to the worst tendencies. I don't know. What are your reflections on that? You know, I agree with you. And for example, when you're embarking on this transformation, a lot of times you get to the end point, but you've worn people out so much because you haven't used human-centered design when thinking about the change that you lose people. People are like, I didn't sign up for this shit. And by the way, you know, you didn't even ask me my opinion. 
or I told you my opinion, you didn't even take it into consideration. So yes, I totally agree with you. I think sometimes we revert back because we don't listen to our people. We work in a vacuum and we don't use tried and true change tactics and human-centered design tactics, stakeholder management, thinking about personas when you're thinking about change, we just go. And so I agree with you. And I think there's some simple things you can do to avoid that and to make it more sustainable, like leadership commitments, like working hand in hand with the people who are experiencing the change. Those are the things that will get you to sustainable change and people will love the change because you've included them in the process. I know you've got this body of research that you've been working on. You've done a million different engagements with clients. And now you're actually thinking about writing a book, which totally makes sense. I mean, this is the career trajectory for any thoughtful consultant out there who wants to expand a platform. And I know you have a podcast. So let's first start with the book. What's the book all about? Like, when's it coming out? Who's publishing it? What are you doing? Like, give me the details. Yeah, yeah. So it's planned for 2023. I am the very beginning stages, but it's been on my mind for a while. And it's really around this idea of an impact culture, right? What we talked about earlier, which is how can you build a business that's going to be a catalyst for change, not just within your company, but in society, with humanity. And so that's really what the book is about. And so this idea of a ripple effect and how do you identify what your ripple effect is? How do you identify who you are as a leader and what legacy you want to lead, but also how you want to build the system, this organization that's going to leave a mark. And it's a process. It's a step-by-step process of reflection as an individual, reflection and alignment as a leadership team. But then those levers that I talked about earlier about how you can actually make that change. And so it's actually really well aligned with my podcast, Humanly Possible Future of Work Conversations. And that's actually why I started the podcast, because I wanted to talk to change makers, people who were actually making an impact around the world of work. And that was actually my research for the book. So it's it's aligned perfectly. Oh, that's so perfect. And it's also a lighter lift when you go to write. Let me tell you, I understand this. You know, as you embark on this journey as a writer, I mean, not that you're out of your element, you love research. I mean, you write when especially when you work with clients, but what's surprising you so far now that you are an author? Oh my gosh, when you said that, I got I got the chills. You know, the, the process is surprisingly cleansing. I don't know how else to describe it. It's a little bit like therapy because you're like just getting the shit out of your head. You're, and I'm a, I'm a very structured person. Like I love models, I love methodology, I love to put pieces together. But what I wasn't prepared for was the like personal lived experiences that came out in the process and things that I hadn't thought about or connected with the reason why you know I do what I do or the way I do what I do. And so it's been cleansing and therapeutic. Well, someone once told me that even the most boring business book is someone's memoir. And that really stuck with me because now when someone hands me a book on like change management models or something I'm completely not plugged into, like some project management methodology, I'm really honored because I know, especially if it's a first book, it's their memoir. So I love that you're bringing in your own stories and you'll bring in stories from your podcast you mentioned. Tell us about a conversation in your podcast that you were so excited to have and that made make the book. I met with a woman named Janelle King. She is a wonderful leadership coach, but she has a really clear vision and clear research around what she calls workplace spirituality. So it's not like woo-woo spirituality, like, you know, manifesting or anything like that. It's really about the human experience's connection to things like purpose and identity and how multifaceted and layered it is and why it's really important that we identify it collectively 
collectively, but also individually. And when there's a mismatch, what happens to that experience? And if you have a chance to listen to it, it's the chef's kiss. And Janelle is now a good friend. And so she is definitely going to make the book. Her lived experiences are definitely going to make the book and her research around workplace spirituality will. Well, that's amazing. We'll include a link in the show notes. And I just cannot wait for everybody to hear that episode. You know, as I think about the path that you're on as an author, you've got this established and esteemed consulting business. The next is to take some really big stages once you get that book out there, right? So talk a little bit about your role as a speaker. When you go out to audiences pre-COVID and maybe virtually right now, what are you talking about? I really am centered around talking about impact culture and impact leadership. And although I talk about a lot of things currently, I'm really looking to center everything around the book and the concepts in the book. But this really comes back to things like DE&I. How do you create inclusive workforces? It includes things like leadership. How are we thinking about the next generation of leadership? But also things like what is culture actually? <laughs> like How do you operationalize it? How do you identify and operationalize it? I mean, that's kind of a sampling of some of the things I talk about, but I'm my best when I'm able to talk about places as a force for change. You know, I'm asked all the time to do these talks, right? Like, can you talk about digital transformation in the workplace, right? Or can you talk about systems manifestation in the workplace? And I can't talk about any of that. And years ago in my career, I would say yes to that stuff. And then I would just like make it up. You know, I'd Google it just like everybody else and try to put together a talk because I'm like, oh, they're going to pay me real money, right? (laughs) So this is the hustle of being a speaker. I'm well past that stage of doing that. Now I just Google to make sure like I'm not saying anything that my friends have said, that's like about it, you know? So I wonder if there are things that you're starting to turn down or you're like, eh, I'm not talking about that. You know, I would imagine you get pinged to talk a lot about culture, which is good, but are there certain things where you're like, nah, I'm done with that. I'm never speaking about that again. You know, anything related to traditional HR, performance management, compensation, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm that phase of my life is done. I mean, it's, it's given me some good experience, but it's not my world anymore. And then, you know, anything surface level DE and I, you know, unfortunately or unfortunately, a lot of the work that I do gets interpreted as DE and I, which it's a part of it, but I try to really drive home that I'm not going to speak to DE and I without the context of culture. It's not a separate strategy. And so I just will not talk about DE and I in a vacuum. Well, when you talk about it as it relates to culture, you know, I can hear why some people would want you to come in and talk about DEI. Like, that's the thing that ticks the box, right? But when you do it, what's the difference? Like, how do you tie it to culture? Yeah. So the difference is, you know, again, that concept of impact culture and how are you impacting the people in your organization? How are you creating an inclusive environment so that they can thrive? Your company is a destination to progress them from a human experience perspective, but also from a career perspective. And then how are you thinking about concepts like generational wealth? Do you have programs in place to create opportunities, not just within your workplace, but actually within family units and communities? Are you creating equitable experiences where leaders are getting to know people at a human level so you can allocate resources appropriately? It's not just about representation or race. It's about neurodiversity and being able to and thriving in environments where people are different and you're getting better results and innovation and creativity. That's really what I can speak to less about what's the E and what's the D? And why do we, why did we add the add the B and you know yeah well I'm laughing because most organizations can't get beyond that like you know they can talk about the D and the I but they're not talking about generational wealth because the only wealth they create is for the board of directors the leadership team and maybe some 
shareholders. So this is definitely a Sisyphean task that you're up against. Like you're rolling that boulder up the hill, but who better to do it than you? I mean, you're an optimist. You've got the skills. You've got the knowledge. So Angela, I am betting on you, even though I hate saying that about people. (laughs) But I'm so excited about your career, your career trajectory. And I'm really honored that you are on the podcast today. If people want to learn more about you, where do they go? How do they find you? Yeah. AngelaRHoward.com. Again, podcast is humanly possible future of work conversation. And Lori, it was a pleasure. Oh my goodness. Listen, when your book comes out, we'll have you back. And if you need me to show up and interview you somewhere or sell books for you on a corner, I am there. I believe in you. Like, this is awesome. And I'm so happy and pleased to introduce you to the punk rock HR audience. Thank you, Lori. I appreciate it. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Punk Rock HR. We are proudly underwritten by The Star Conspiracy. The Star Conspiracy is the B2B marketing agency for innovative brands creating the future of workplace solutions. For more information, head on over to thestarconspiracy.com. Punk Rock HR is produced and edited by RepCap with special help from Michael Thibodeau and Devin McGrath. For more information, show notes, links, and resources, head on over to punkrockhr.com. Now that's all for today, and I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Punk Rock HR.